Good morning, Clipper Nation. Oh, Ass- no. Assuming you listen to this in the morning. Oh, I don't know. no. <laughs> <laughs> You're not down with that? That was a horrible surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, with the horrible surprise, it's me, William, the opinion of And I'm positive, Chuck Mockler. And we are Locked on Clippers, part of the Locked on NBA Network. We're bringing the Clippers news five days a week. Yeah, sometimes with fun intros. <laughs> I don't know why you're hating on this one so much. Anyways, we'll see what people say on Twitter. Anyways, <laughs> we got a we got a great show lined up for you today. We're oh, gonna yeah. kick things off with a recap of that win over the Thunder. The streak is at five. The streak is at five. Really a wire to wire victory. You know, I'm going to be nitpicky in some things I didn't like about this one, but overall... There were some things I don't like. That's fair. Overall, really great victory. 100%. Um, we'll talk about, you know, what we liked, what we didn't like in that one, as well as just overall how we're feeling. And then, it's what you say Wednesday. Charles puts a poll out to the fine people of Twitter every single Tuesday. This one, which potential first-round playoff opponent do you think poses the biggest hurdle for the Clippers? I think this one's super interesting. Um, we're going to break down that, say, as well as tell you guys what Clipper Nation had to say about it. And then we're going to be wrapping things up. We got a preview of kind of Doc alluded to like a small ball philosophy. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that, how that's kind of like a Clippers Rockets preview part one a little bit. That's right. And then we're going to be having a little bit of fun with the whole Knicks and Spike Lee situation. <laughs> hey, all that more coming up right about now. So the Clippers... Uh, traveled down to beautiful Oklahoma, and got is it down or over? Are they southern? I think I think they're here. a little northern where we're at. Um, <laughs> Clippers won one hundred nine ninety four versus the Thunder. I told you we were disrespected by the spread. I would like to just say that right off the bat. Um. Also, Shea wore a shirt with Ty Lue getting stepped over. <laughs> Which is just, that's good fun. Which was a good That's time. good fun. <laughs> um, but no, this was another fully healthy Clippers win. The team looked very solid defensively outside of times when it was perhaps all bench players. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we can talk about that and what <laughs> yeah. I didn't like. Um, only turned the ball over nine times. Impressive. Even, yeah. Even when it felt shaky, we still, you know, we still won every quarter but the fourth. Yes. I mean, it was truly a wire to wire victory. I, I don't think we ever did we ever relinquish the lead at any point in this one? Uh the Thunder did have a very brief lead of two points at one point. But after that, I mean, their starters didn't couldn't really get a lot going against us. Shooter killed us on the bench, which we talked about a little bit, but yeah, I mean, after we established the lead uh, in the, I, I don't know, kind the, of throughout the whole game, like we, yeah, we established that lead a little before midway of the first quarter, and it it never really went away. It it shrinked at one point before halftime, but other than that, it was just like I said, yeah, just a complete victory. So we can get into what we didn't like. Got to, we got to. Um. The offense was a little sputtery. Outside of Kawhi and Paul George, uh, the starters didn't do a whole lot offensively from a points standpoint. Yeah. Morris, Zoo, and Bev combined for 20 points. Morris was 0-5 from three. Bev hit his first shot from deep and ended one of five. I would say... They uh, did a lot of heavy lifting, but that's why you have superstars. Definitely. Um, and, And on the flip side, you know, the offense of the bench was good, but we can talk about that later. My biggest didn't like of this one was 
the bench defense. Yes, it was not. For I, I, I mean, I'm not going to be surprised if like a good bench kind of gives it to us. Totally. But a bench like the Thunder, which I don't exactly consider a an, an elite bench, Shooter just murdered us. Yes. Uh, and you know, Shooter is is an exception for sure. I, you know, the way this bench is structured, obviously with Lou Will and Reggie and Landry too, um, who did not get a lot of run in this game, did not, or have a very good game, which was tough to see. Uh, but when when you have kind of a a start, I would say you know starting caliber point guard playing against that bench, uh, who's going to be really aggressive, it's going to be a hard night. And that's what I didn't like was, you know, our bench really only outscored theirs by nine points. And as you said, it's you know outside of shooter, a, a little bit of a thin bench. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we were definitely trading buckets, most notably like kind of while we were establishing that lead uh, from the first quarter to the second. Uh, and it, it's fine. I mean, like... In, yeah, we got the win. Like, this is like, a... In this game, it's fine. For sure. But it is, you know, it it is going to be a concern if you're going up against a deeper team. I would agree with that. Um, outside of Lou and Trez, the bench was kind of bad offensively. There was not a lot of help, again, from the point standpoint from those guys. Um, you have a note in here about Landry's attempts. Yeah, so Landry was 0-4 from the floor tonight, which 0-4, honestly, that's not enough attempts to me to really get an accurate sample size. For sure. I'm I'm, I'm not mad, you know, that he was scoreless. Um, But But you're disappointed. I'm disappointed. (laughs) I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. But are we worried about him only having four field goal attempts? Well, I think he was getting sought out on defense. That was happening a little bit. So I think Doc was just like, I don't want to risk this situation getting truly exploited, basically. Um, But I I agree with your point kind of about the four attempts not really being... Like, it sucks, but I wouldn't say it's worrisome. And defensively for Landry, I thought the effort was there. You know, maybe the result wasn't necessarily always there. No. But he was doing his best to stay with guys. Um I gotta be honest, I just don't know what more you can ask for from a guy than that. Yeah. And I, you mean, know what I mean and the bench was still good with him. So like that's what's kinda nice about this bench is that even when he has an off game, we can take him off and it's fine for all intents and purposes. Um we had to rely on free throws in the fourth. We were four of eighteen from the field in the fourth, uh, but we were eleven of le- for eleven from the line, which was nice to see. There was really only one time in this game when it was kind of close. It was in the third. They cut it from ten to nineteen points, and then we just kind of went on a run, which we'll get a little bit what we didn't like or what we liked. Excuse me. One of the big things I didn't like in this game was Trez rolling his ankle twice. Oh, man, I'm glad you put this in here. Um, we didn't talk about it off top because I'm not sure if it's going to be that big a deal. Trez's ankles are apparently made of... I was talking with... Steel? I was talking with Stepback Tree on Twitter. His name is Ben. Um, he's like, oh, yeah, I've seen him roll the same ankle a couple I mean, times we definitely in have. the same game. And it's like, yeah, but I don't want to have seen that. I'd feel more comfortable if we hadn't have seen that. I agree. He played pretty much the whole fourth quarter. If I'm not mistaken, it was probably the whole fourth quarter. And he rolled his ankle, 
Mm-hmm. And then everyone was like, wow, maybe Trez should come out. And then he rolled his ankle again. And then they took him out. Yeah. Um, so I guess he didn't play the whole fourth quarter. Excuse me. But he stayed in after he rolled it once. Even though we had a size. We were up 19. Lead. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Like, I hear you. That was, that was frustrating. He said he's going to play in the game against the Rockets, which I don't know if I'm psyched about. I think that he's okay. I hope. No, I hope. Like, I don't think he's hurt. He had to stop playing in the game, though. I don't know if he had to. I think Trez. We were up by 19 and he was in already. You know what I mean? Like, I think that Trez could have kept going. I don't know. That was one thing that kind of irked me in this one. Is there I, anything else you didn't really like in this game? No, no. This was a good victory. Let's let's talk about what let's, we liked. Yeah, because we started off the lineup. There was, I mean, a lot to like in this game. Kawhi was Kawhi again. Mm-hmm. 25 and 8 with two steals. Continues to be absolutely elite. Loved it. Absolutely. Absolutely loved it. Five of six uh, from the free throw line. Paul George did a bit of everything. Uh, his movement looked good, too. Like, he looked a lot smoother out there. He had 16-5, three assists, two steals, three of five from three. He was in the right place at the right time a lot of the times. Definitely. Which I think is what you really want to see right now. Definitely. And I'm loving, I'm loving the steals that he's picking up. Yes, um, absolutely. The I'm, defense is coming around. I'm loving it. Anything that's kind of pushing, I I kind of want to push the pace a little bit. Yeah. Just given like the load that these two way guys take, you know, like on the defensive end, like guarding the best defender. Yeah. Um, I like to see some easy buckets in transition. Guarding the best offensive player. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. The defense locked it down when things got close in the third. Like I mentioned, they got the lead down to nine. And then we just went on an 11-0 run that I think ended 16-5. to uh, And then it was just kind of over from there. Like, we did get saved from the free throw shooting in the fourth, but that's kind of something that I disliked and liked. Uh, and kind of about the free throw shooting, Trez was six of eight from the line. And I feel like recently his free throw shooting has been... We were talking about how we wanted him to be at like 65% from the year. He's already there. Yeah, he's been fantastic these past um, couple of games. Uh, on a sentimental note, it was nice to see Shea have a bit of a good game. He was having a good second quarter. Oh, yeah, it was solid. Uh, I don't know. This was, this was was How are you feeling after this one? Is that all that we liked? I mean, is it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm feeling good. I guess I'm just feeling a little bit like we talked yesterday about how in a first round playoff matchup, I was a little bit worried about OKC. And I guess that's definitely 100% called that. Um, Yeah. So I'm feeling good. I got to be honest with you. Like, if I'm taking any sort of uh, objective mask off, I'm feeling charged up right now. <laughs> like five you're, game you're win streak. You're putting the Homer mask on. I'm, I'm I'm putting my Homer mask on. Uh, I'm saying you're feeling good going on Thursday. Yeah, I am feeling. Yeah, we battled Clips Theory. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there were a couple times in this game, like we ended, uh, we ended the third well. 
or excuse me, we ended the second quarter well. We ended the first quarter well. Anytime there was some kind of like quasi adversity, we answered it very uh, aggressively, which was awesome to see. And I'm yeah, I'm feeling really good going into this game against the Rockets on Thursday. Um, obviously, the five game win streak is fantastic. Everyone looks like they're doing kind of exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Reggie Jackson came a bit back down to earth in this one, but that's bound to happen. It's bound to happen, and you know he was still. I I still felt like he was a contributor to that the offense of the second unit kind of flowing in that first half. For sure. Um, and then, you know, we hope Travis Zankel gets better. Hope Bev's shooting comes back. But that's all in due time. The Clippers are on a five-game win streak. Let's enjoy it. Coming up after this, we got the What You Say Wednesday poll where we're talking some potential first-round opponents. Uh, but before we get to that, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know, the Locked On Clippers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Clippers fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On Clippers gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On Clippers podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Clippers fans, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 and visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. Let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, Text word advertising to 33777 or visit slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. All right. What you say, Wednesday? Hey, what's going on? It's what you say. We uh, put this poll out there on Twitter every Tuesday around like, I don't know, seven in the morning. Yeah, something like that. Free up early, check it, you know, when you're driving to work. Um, this one was inspired from a question we had, a bit of a heated debate on. Uh, Tuesday's episode. Which potential first-round playoff opponent do you think poses the biggest hurdle for the Clippers? Notice I didn't say threat. I said hurdle, hurdle. because you clear hurdles. Um, I, lo- I love it. This one had, appreciate the responses, 476 votes. The choices were the Jazz, the Thunder, and the Mavs. Coming in at third place, the Mavs which is interesting. Second place with 31% of the vote, the Thunder. And then in first place with a hefty 51% of the vote, because as we are recording this, this is Super Tuesday, the Jazz took 51% of the vote as the biggest hurdle for the Clippers as a potential first-round playoff opponent. How do you feel about those standings? I feel... I had Jazz as number one on yesterday's pod. I think that's definitely fair. Yeah, it's I, that you know, Gobert. It really it's that Gobert Mitchell pick and roll. And I know they're spotty, and I know that like things are kind of quasi in disarray, but never in too much disarray because it's Utah. So like, how bad can it get? Yeah, totally. Um, I don't want to play them in the first round. I will say that. Yeah, I don't want to play them in the first round. It's a lot. It's an effortful <laughs> first round. Effortful. I like that. Um, Effort hyphen F-U-L-L. It's still... And maybe this is a bit of hubris, but it's still not a team I'm necessarily worried about like eliminating us in a seven-game series. 
But I I do agree that's not a team that I want to see in the first round. No. Um, I don't want to see weird, motivated playoff go bear. Or some guy whose name is Spider. And, you know, like... We'll definitely have a game where Rubio is like hitting every shot. Um, <laughs> and it just like sucks. <laughs> what about the Thunder being two? Because I think uh, yesterday I had Jazz, Mavs, Thunder. You were way higher on the Thunder being difficult. Man, prior to today, I was very skeptical of facing the Thunder in a first round series. Mainly, you know, just because of the veteran leadership of Chris Paul. Yeah. Um, he was doing his best uh, tonight. We are recording this on Tuesday. Hey, uh, he's doing his thing. He was trying. Hey, show man. <laughs> oh, whoa, I'm not going after the guy's height. Uh, and then, okay, so I'm surprised that Mavs. But we effectively shut down their backcourt, which was impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That'll happen. You're surprised. The, <laughs> I mean, that will. You're surprised the Mavs are third. I'm a little surprised the Mavs. Or I'm surprised I got so little of the vote. I thought they would for sure be second. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I think I, people are forgetting Luca and Kristaps was player of the week or something recently. Like those two guys. Huh? Who cares? Player of the week, right? <laughs> they got a team that they got of the teams that can give us problems are large teams. You know what I mean? And like the Nuggets, we thought we're going to kind of do that, but they didn't because the team is currently playing fantastic right now, which is great. But also, when I said like biggest hurdle, a lot of people in the comments were kind of saying like they're not really worried about any of these, which is fair. And I I don't think any of these series go more than five. Like I could see all of them going five. And... I would maybe I would the jazz the jazz game could maybe go six. I would have to agree with you. I, I'm not seeing, but this is also a murky picture. I'm assuming things we might have a little more kind of worse off luck, maybe. What? what but like like Thunder Mavs, uh, Thunder. I would be pretty. I'm fully confident that maybe only goes four. Uh, yeah, I think Thunder we do take in four. I think. Mavs, we might take in four too. Wow, I like that confidence. Someone said that I should put the Rockets as an option on here, but I don't think that's going to happen. In the first? In the first. Because that was the key caveat of this, is of course, is the first round matchup situation. I mean, I I don't think so. The the Rockets are a mere two and a half games behind us. Yeah, us. Um, <laughs> like, we are, would both have to falter. Like, we both have to end up at... I mean, they'd have to end up at five, I guess. We'd have to end up at four. Seems like the most darkest, horrible timeline situation. I mean, yeah. They're seven and three in their last ten, which is better than any playoff team in the Western Conference other than the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I obviously wouldn't want to see him in the first round for obvious reasons, but other than that, very confident in our first round. Yeah, uh, abilities, I would say. Totally, yeah. I, I'm excited to see what the ten man rotations like in that first round. If we're going to see maybe, because I don't know if Shamit is the first sub off the bench is going to happen anymore. I think it's possible. I think in the first round, we see fewer variations from our current kind of situation. Yeah. 
Um, thanks to you to everyone who voted yeah. on this poll. We really appreciate it. You can vote on that at Locked on Clips every Tuesday morning around 7.15. I retweet it during the day, too. Um, coming up after this, we have kind of a uh, mini preview of a preview for the Rockets versus Clippers. And then we have that Knicks talk. All right. Welcome to Shaving slash Rockets preview. preview. We got some audio. We recorded a bit of a preview with the Locked on Rockets host. That's correct. Jackson Gatlin. Jackson Gatlin. That was very fun. So we'll cut to that now. We'll cut to that right now. And we are joined by Jackson Gatlin. Thank you so much for being on. Absolutely. Excited we could do this. Yeah, we got to... This is a pretty intense... I mean, all of a sudden you guys have the new lineup situation. Rockets, Clippers. How are you feeling going into this game? Just like, you know, importance-wise, I guess. Or gravity of this game. Well, it, it from a Rockets angle, it's kind of like they've gone from, you know, the biggest game of the season to the next biggest game of the season over and over now. You know, it's been a few games in a row. The Utah Jazz game that they just won, which kind of clinched them the season series against the Jazz, was yeah. definitely monumental because that, you know, got them the fourth seed. And now they're sitting, you know, just a game and a half or two games back, I want to say, of the Clippers right now. So this upcoming game becomes the next biggest game of the season because if they <laughs> want to fight for that second or third seed, they've got to get past the Clippers and they've got to get past the Nuggets. Unfortunately, they've already you know tied the season series with the Nuggets, so all that's left is to try and clinch the season series against the Clippers now. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm so in, just excited for this one because uh, we talked about it a little bit before uh, we started recording. But Doc said he's going to start playing uh, Marcus Morris and Jermichael Green at the five more, which kind of seems like exactly what we have to do against you guys. It's interesting because there have been some teams that have, you know, opted to not buy into matching the small ball lineup that the Rockets put out there on the court with PJ Tucker at the five or now the newly acquired Jeff Green, you know, as the backup five so that you can play five out basketball. But other teams have opted not to do that. So you saw like against the Lakers who were unsuccessful in their attempts to use their size with JaVale McGee and Anthony Davis to try and dominate the Rockets inside. You saw them lose against the Rockets, but then unfortunately you see the Rockets come out and maybe the loss against the Knicks isn't exactly small ball being exploited. There were a lot of issues in that game, lack of energy, lack of intensity for about two and a half, three quarters almost. But the Knicks did have a bigger team that were able to take advantage of the Rockets. So I'm not really sure if it's a good thing for the Clippers to try and go small or a bad thing. I think looking at it from the Clippers perspective, to me, Avica Zubats is like the wrong type of like traditional big to try to pair against this Rockets lineup. Um, <clears throat> I just think he's going to get lost a little bit. Uh, both with like the speed that you guys are playing at now, and I do even think the the increased physicality uh, could start to trouble him. I think maybe he could have a better offensive game than than we've seen um, some of his games be. But yeah, o- overall, I I think that the right move is probably to go small. If they do go small, here's my question: Is I guess kind of first off, what has been you know the I guess the go to closing lineup that Doc has been using from the majority of the season, and do you guys see that changing up now? Obviously, with Marcus Morris, you know, as a newly acquired player, also Reggie Jackson in there. I mean, one I guess first to answer the first question, what do you guys picture as the closing lineup, kind of moving towards the tail end of the season into the playoffs? What do you picture as Doc's go to five guys to close out a game? And then also, how have those two guys helped out so far? Uh, Morris and Jackson, that is. Uh, well, they've both opened things up so much. Uh, I think we were just talking about this the other day. It's really uh, it 
they both bring interesting things to the Clippers fold. I think that Reggie Jackson, we've seen uh, him benefit the team in a very specific way just due to the usage that he takes off of Lou Williams. The burden that he takes away from him, like it, it's it's just seen in his efficiency uh, that it is Lou Williams. Uh, and and it hasn't really detracted anything from uh, his distribu- like distribution game at all as well. And then Morris, you know, I, I've been so impressed with him buying into the role. Uh, if you look at the stats, you know, like the his his point totals and everything don't necessarily jump off the page, but I've been really impressed with how he's been able to sort of take that in stride, uh, dealing with shooting, you know, a, obviously a much lower amount of in- attempts than he was getting there in New York. Uh, he does add some really solid rebounding. And playing him at the five, I do think, is very interesting. Um, we've seen it in some limited spurts. I do think in closing lineups that we will most likely see Dot going with him. Uh, last season in the playoffs, we did see Jermichael Green in that kind of five position. And I, I, I think that overall, he likes to go a little bit smaller. I, I don't know. What do you think, Charles? Do you think that we could see him in lineups with Trez still at the five? Or do you think that we'll go... Uh, fully into the Morris at the center kind of thing. Someone gave us a really good question. They thought uh, we can play like Mark. We can play Morris and Trez or Jermichael and Trez, and have either Morris or Jermichael guard the five mm-hmm. in that situation. Which I don't know if Doc would do that, but I think Doc. Uh, if for those of you who don't watch Clippers games, Zubats is banned from the fourth quarter, and so Trez pretty much plays every closing minute of the fourth quarter usually. Which is, for all intents and purposes, a small ball five. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's going to be, like, sometimes lose out there, but I think against the Rockets specifically, I'd like to see, like, Bev. I mean, basically, Bev, Kawhi, PG, Morris, and Trez, pretty much. So effectively, yeah, yeah, effectively the starting lineup, just swapping out uh, Zoo for Trez. Yeah, and then depending on who has the hot hand, I think at the point guard position, you could maybe see... Uh, Lou in in place of Pat Bev there, but I, I I would agree against the Rockets. Like your offense is so potent that I I would prefer to see a more defensive minded guard uh, in the backcourt. So is Doc the kind of coach to you guys at least that's going to take his chances riding the hot hand instead of sticking to a de facto go to closing five man lineup? That so now that there's continuity on the team, I, barely. Yeah, not sure. Like at this point, he has experimented more. Um, with taking Lou out and putting Shamit in, which has been interesting and stuff like that. But I think I think right now it might just be a hot hand situation, really, because we're kind of just we're still getting our feet wet to this whole everyone being available thing. Uh, so I think he's really just kind of going with what works. We're Yeah, we're kind of in a situation where there's not a, enough data yet with a fully healthy roster where if it's working that night, uh, I think that we'll see Dot kind of stick to it a little bit more, and then um, you know, come come later in the season or playoffs, I'm, I'm hopefully <laughs> we'll have that a little bit more cemented. But uh, the intention has always been to have kind of a a, a a malleable or sliding lineup, as it was coined. 
as we're kind of at this, as we're recording this podcast, the Clippers actually just thoroughly beat the Oklahoma City Thunder <laughs> and are now sitting, you know, just a half game ahead of the Nuggets in the two seed in the Western Conference. So kind of obviously there were, you know, a bunch of offseason moves for the Clippers. You bring in Kawhi, you bring in Paul George. Has the team performed above or kind of or maybe below y'all's expectations for them coming into the season to this point? To this point, I would say above strictly because we're still I think we've run out the most starting lineups of any team in the league or we're definitely in the top five uh we're at what is it 40 49 yeah um we're playing you know like you said we're, we're second place in the west we're undefeated when everyone's healthy and we have the usual starting five so I I, I have to say it's overperformed it's taken some adjusting just because of all the ins and outs on the roster but I, th- I think it's really hard to be underwhelmed by this Clippers team right now on the whole. I think for fans, um, there's definitely a dis- uh, like a, a little bit of a different perspective. Uh, I think if you remove some of the context, like if you're not watching every game, uh, it's, it's easy to ignore how, f- how little or like how fortunate we are the times that we do have a fully healthy roster. Uh, and I, I, obviously that's going to contribute. Um, uh, I think that fans are maybe a little bit disappointed in where we at where we're at thus far, just because of how well the other team across the hall is doing. <laughs> well, and speaking of the other team across the hall, if you guys had to kind of looking at the West, right, just top to bottom, if you guys had to pick a team that kind of scares you the most headed into the postseason, not named the L.A. Lakers, out of the rest of the Western Conference, which st- which team are you guys most worried about? If I'm being honest, because we haven't seen what it's going to look like against you guys, it's the Rockets. Because of the uncertainty, because of, I mean, you know. Just history. Yeah, like uh, there's just, too. the narrative usually isn't always on the Clippers' side. But let's not unpack that one. Yeah. What about you? How have you felt with the small ball Rockets? How does that, has that changed how you feel going into the playoffs? Basically, I don't think, and I think a lot of Rockets fans will agree with me on this, they weren't going to win anything with the current or with the iteration of the team that they opened the season with, with that, you know, Clint Capella at the five, Russell Westbrook, just it, we started to see Westbrook evolve and become more efficient, but he wasn't able to fully unlock his potential with Clint Capella clogging up the paint for 30 to 35 minutes a night. So you deal Clint Capella, you go all in on the small ball, Maury ball, whatever you want to call it. And it's a gutsy move. And it really, you know, it was such a huge changeup in the middle of a season. It, it took a lot of stones to pull the trigger on that deal to, to trade your <laughs> yeah, starting five and, and you know fully commit to having a starting lineup where nobody's taller than six foot seven. It, it hasn't really been done before, and so I think it definitely upped their chances. I don't know if anybody this season, other than maybe, you know, obviously the Bucks in the East and then the Lakers in the West are kind of the favorites in each conference. So, but I think it definitely gave them a greater shot come playoff time. It, it gives them more variance, and that's something that Daryl Morey is known for. He wants his team to have a lot of variance. I mean, that's why they shoot so many three pointers. You know, shooting threes—that's the most volatile shot in basketball. We've yeah. seen it. Yeah. The whole zero for twenty-seven thing happened, right? And so that was an improbable number of misses to have in a row for a team like the Rockets. And yet, we've now seemingly doubled down on that philosophy of three-pointers, layups, and dunks with the five-out small ball lineup. How has uh, Russell Westbrook, has he surpassed your expectations, performed as expected, especially lately? I'd say, I think 
as a whole, a lot of a lot of Rockets media and Rockets fans were a little harsh on him at the start of the season. And I think that hindsight is almost always 2020. So you look back and you know, he didn't have the offseason to condition himself to come into the season in, in the usual shape that he's expecting himself to be in. You know, saying Russell Westbrook sure, is out sure. of shape at the start of the season is a little ridiculous because, you know, he's got like 1% body fat or something. So compared <laughs> to the to the average population, he's, you know, shredded. But if for himself, he wasn't in game shape. He hadn't played ball, you know, all summer. So he came in a little rusty. And there were moments, there were glimpses where you could see just how good he could be in a Rockets jersey, but he didn't really start to unlock this new version of Russell Westbrook until about mid-December or so when he decided to cut down on his three-point shooting. Actually, I take that back. It was the beginning of January when he cut down on his three-point attempts. He's down to around yeah. you know just over two a game now, and he's, he's playing exactly how Rockets fans wanted him to play. So I'd say he has honestly surpassed my expectations to this point. Yeah, I, I feel like figuring out that role uh, was always going to take a little bit of growing time. How do you feel about uh, your wing defenders uh, obviously adding uh, Covington to the mix? How do you feel like they stack up against this forward combo of George and Leonard defensively or offensively? You know, it's funny that you say it, or I guess phrase it in that way, right? Is because, you know, you look at it and you say, oh yeah, Robert Covington is a wing defender. Honestly, though, he's more or less Robert Covington and PJ Tucker. It's almost like in, um, it's almost like in Dragon Ball Z, right? Where you have the fusion dance and, you know, <laughs> yeah. you've got the two guys, they do the fusion dance and then they hit their fists together and they become this one powerful being. That's PJ Tucker and Robert Covington together. <laughs> are the Rockets center. Like they hold down the paint for the Rockets. You don't usually see, I mean, you'll see Robert Covington on the wings, you know, guarding on the perimeter off of switches and things like that. But he's also such a great weak side shot blocker, you know, with his length, with his agility, being able to, you know, simultaneously guard the three point shot on the wing, but also kind of jump back into the paint to help out with, you know, PJ Tucker or James Harden guarding a big in the paint to come over from the weak side. And I mean, he had six games in a row with three or more blocked shots. He plays really, really big around the rim. And because of the Rockets defensive switching scheme, it's not necessarily like you're not going to have Robert Covington and say PJ Tucker guarding Kawhi Leonard and Paul George all game unfortunately now I think if there's like a crunch time possession then yeah Robert Covington will be the guy who starts on Kawhi Leonard but because of the Rockets defensive scheme it's going to be everybody guarding everybody and that's something that doesn't get enough or they don't get enough credit for with James Harden and PJ Tucker being 6'5 both both of them being 6'5", they're some of the base, best paint defenders in the league, I should say. Absolutely. The, yeah, this is going to be such an interesting test because, I mean, our defense plays team defense too, especially when you get into that Trez at the 5 situation because there does have to be some coverage for his, you know, some of his shortcomings on the defensive end. Honestly, T-Rez, T uh, he, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to cut you off, but he's the guy that honestly scares me a bit more even so than just yeah, Kawhi Leonard sense. and Paul George, like matchup wise, because the Rockets, histor even before committing to small ball, the Rockets historically have struggled with those, you know, 6'8 to 6'10 high motor forwards. Like it always seems like those types of players destroy the Rockets inside. And I feel like T-Rez is bound to have a really good game against this lineup how do you think what do you I mean just overall outcome what do you think is going to happen I think that 
if they can come and here's the thing is the Rockets have this really terrible knack for playing down to and playing up to their opponents. I mean, oh, all, we have the same situation over in same Los problem. Angeles. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's frustrating because I feel like maybe if you go around the entire league, like everybody feels that way about their team. But yeah. then you do have teams like the, you know, the Bucks and the Lakers who seem to always take care of business against the, you know, the under 500 team. So maybe it's not every team. Yeah, I, I think that as long as they come out with the right energy and intensity and they don't let up off the gas. I mean, we've had the the Rockets have had some really impressive wins over the last month or so, you know, wins against the Utah Jazz, uh, two wins against the Celtics, against the Lakers. But they've also had some disappointing losses against the Phoenix Suns and most recently, notably the New York Knicks. And, you know, those losses, (laughs) you can mainly cite energy. I think that if they do a decent job of containing Montrez and not letting him feast in the paint, as well as not letting the Clippers get easy buckets off of like slipping screens and stuff like that, then they have a shot as long as their shooting doesn't completely abandon them, which it's basically, it basically has for like two games in a row. They shot poorly against the Celtics and then they also shot poorly for the better part of the game against the Knicks until the fourth quarter. How are you guys feeling going into this one? I'm feeling confident just coming (laughs) off like the streak of games that we've had. I'm really curious in this one, to see how like fouls and and free throw attempts turn out for both teams because uh, the whistle could really go either way in this one uh, overall I like I feel I feel pretty confident I'm hoping that we see some efficiency from the small ball lineup from the Clippers early um, I'm assuming I'm assuming that Zoo is gonna get I don't know. What do you think about this, Charles? He's going to get like a little bit of like just a ceremonious start. Like I, I don't really. Yeah, see it'll him. be the Gortat start where it'll he'll play like maybe twenty minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, I, I love calling it the start. Gortat start. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, but I'm hoping we can come away from this one with a win. I'm I'm feeling pretty confident. But once again, I'm riding high on our five game <laughs> win streak and just a few games of of a fully healthy roster. I think the biggest thing for me is going to be. Yeah, bench defense is going to be huge. It really kind of hinges on that. Uh, you know, Didn't look great tonight. Didn't look great tonight. There's not a lot of teams that can go kind of, uh, you know, obviously star power for star power with the Rockets or the Clippers, but they can do it to each other. Uh, and the complementary pieces are very complementary and work well. So the bench is going to be huge. If, if the bench defense can't, you know, put up some decent resistance... It's going to be tougher for the Clippers, but uh, they do have a yeah they they have a tendency to to go bucket for bucket. Um, it'll happen. Yeah, yeah. That was we're gonna have a full preview for you guys tomorrow, to, uh, Thursday's episode. As we do, as we do. We also want to very touchly or very briefly touch on the uh, the Knicks thing. The Knicks thing. The Knicks are in an all-out war with the worst person that you could choose to be an all-out war with if you're the Knicks. The most famous Knicks fan, the one of the greatest directors, Spike Lee, is... I don't know why you even go at him like that. Just, if you're going to release the statement, just be like, we messed up. Sorry. Anyway, moving on. Just, how about this? Don't release the statement. <laughs> yeah, how about just don't release the statement? Problem solved. But so, who do the Clippers lose? What's the Clippers version of this? I said Billy Crystal on Twitter. Yeah. Uh... Some people said Clipper Daryl because he freaked out that one year. And also Donald Sterling handled that poorly. Um, but that's not as like famous of a person. Paul Shear would be a bummer. Paul Shear would be a bummer. 
Carl uh, Tart. Carl Tart. Adam Devine and Eric Griffin from Workaholics. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they uh they get yeah, they get pulled out. They get they pulled duo pulled. <laughs> yeah. They give them the Oakley treatment. Um let us know what you would do to get uh let us know what you would have to do f- what you think you'd have to do for Balmer to get that mad at you. Yeah. Like I don't think Balmer could get that mad at someone in the crowd. At a fan? At a fan of the Clippers? Yeah. I don't think so. Opposing fan? Maybe. No problem. Uh, sight. Anything else in the shavings? No, I think we're about out of time. About out of time. Thank you, uh, Jackson Gatlin, for having us on the show. Go listen to the uh, Rockets preview on his uh, show as well for the Clippers game coming up. Thursday's episode, we're going to have an extended preview of the very exciting Clippers versus Rockets matchup. It is Hot Take Thursday. Hot. So you can leave your takes at 213-986-7354. One more time, that is 213-986-7354. We're going to be talking whatever else happens between now and then in Clipperland. Thank you so much for hanging out with Locked On Clippers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, and shout out to uh, Locked On Rockets. If yes. you want to hear a further preview of our game against them, go ahead and check that out as well. We're coming at you five days a week. You can find us at iTunes, Deezer, Google Pods, all that good stuff. I have been positive, Chuck Lockler. I've been William, the opinion of Dyke. Appreciate you.